0: Chris Cameron grew frustrated watching Nielsen tumble down the tables when he was on the outside. Now he's one of the men back on the inside, determined to take the farmers' boys back up. Chris shares the Brigolee management duties with Derek Carson and joins us this week. He tells us how gutted the club were to lose to table-topping rivals Peters Hill last Saturday, but how it won't derail their plans for progress. Chris takes us back to the chilling day he left a pitch with both his cruciate ligaments in bits and his playing career in pieces too. We also hear why coaching was once never something that interested him. Also last weekend, Ardia Thistle rubber-stamped their rise from worst in the league to a Division 2 team next season. They did it without kicking a ball too. Their boss, Sean Kenny, joins us later in the show. Mark Mackay gives us his best of the West too. And it's all here as we go Down the Divisions. Good to have you along as we take a look at Scotland's lower leagues. Uh, well, last week, Paul, uh, we heard you talk about taking over at Kalouk Rovers. Uh, you had a few more days in the job now. Uh, how how are things all progressing?
1: Yeah, with uh, a few more days, but it's only been a few days because we trained on the Monday. We recorded, I believe, on the Wednesday, and then uh, we wake up to bad snow on the, the Thursday, so the... the Football was cancelled because of the snow we were in last night. Listen, really enjoyed it last night, really good. It uh, seems a really decent change changing room. Uh, the players are, are very good and we played a bounce game just between, you know, we mixed the teams up between ourselves and the under-20s and it was really good, really good to, to see what we've got. Yeah, and we've got the game on Saturday against Finn Hart, so uh, yeah, looking forward to that.
0: Good stuff. Well, we'll see how uh, how things go on Saturday then. And we'll have a, maybe have a chat about that next week. Uh, a quick word for our sponsors, media agency 44 Creative. Not only do they have photographers, graphic designers, videographers and video editors to help promote your content, brand, organization or event, they now offer website services too. They make creation personal and they'd love to hear from you. Find out more at www.44creativehq.com. And we'll include that link in the show's description on your podcast player too. Back to the show and please do keep the comments and suggestions for guests coming. If you're a club in the lower leagues looking for more exposure, we'd also like to hear from you. Our email address is divisions at gmail.com. That's divisions at gmail.com. Or you can contact us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. I'm Adam Hopes, co-manager of Drumchapel United, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Nielsen co-boss Chris Cameron is on the show this week.
2: Thanks for being with us, Chris. Yeah, no problem. Good, good to be here.
0: Before we chat some more, we've got the Down the Divisions decider. We'll give you four clues for a particular club from SPFL League One all the way down, then reveal the answer at the end of the show. Right, we'll bring you on this, Chris, as well. No answers. Uh, don't say the answer if you know what it is. We'll, we'll save that at the end of the show. But uh, this week, I'm looking for the club whose first of two Scottish Junior Cup wins was the joint record margin of victory in a final. In 2017, they had the biggest win since 1984 in the Scottish Senior Cup. Former players include Pat Stanton and the late, great James Bond star, Sean Connery. Can you do the impression, Paul? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Have a flower on their club badge. I think I know. Confident, Chris?
2: Absolutely not. I
1: think it could be one or
0: two teams. Right, we'll find out the answer at the end of the show. Co-boss, <laughs> Chris Cameron is with us. Well, Chris, I guess uh, just to let the listeners know, I mean, you're, you're sitting third in Conference C right now. You're five points behind second place Peter's Hill, who've played 24 games, same as you boys. I think you're six off, six points off the leaders Drumchapel, who have played one more game. You've got four games left. I think one of your last games is at Drumchapel. The goal difference is only two worse off than Drumchapel. And Peters Hill have yeah. got cup games to play as well. Uh, but you lost 1 0 to Peters Hill on the weekend, didn't you? And, and uh, I know you had Ewan Clark sent off for the second yellow card at the start of the second half. And then Paul Callender scored with 10 minutes left. But how, how disappointing was was that game on the weekend? You Because know, I guess that was the one that would have made your jobs a bit easier with, with so few games left.
2: It was really disappointing. Um, I will, were, we're not able to hide that fact, to be quite honest. It was um, we've been on a great run since coming back after Christmas, um, and we pinpointed five victories before we came to the Hall game, uh, which we got, and um, really confident getting into that game. The boys started off probably the first half. hour was really even, and I felt that we started to get in top the last 10, 15 minutes of the first half. Really pleased with how we were doing. Asked for much of the same in the second half and thought we would go on and win the game. I think it was some like the 46th, 47th minute. <clears throat> Big going get his second yellow card. Just quite an innocuous. He didn't see the boy coming and he's blindside. He's trying to clear the ball. The boy gets sitting nips in ahead of him. It is a foul, it is a yellow card. Um and it's fair play. No gripes for the decision. And um we only four games remaining, and with Peter Hill, <clears throat> if, if we'd have drawn Peters Hill, we're still ahead of his. Um, probably with fixtures um, that, that we would expect them to probably go and win. We felt on the sidelines that we had to change up to a back three and still go for the win. So, probably felt if we, if we played for a draw, the boys looked comfortable, but we went for it. Uh, probably 15 20 minutes to go, and it backfired a wee bit just for them. Um, Peter all picking us off on the break. We a, a good goal for their point of view, to be fair. So, really, really disappointing.
1: Looking at the league table myself here, Chris, it's a real exciting running all the way into the the end of the season now. Uh, How have you fared against Drumchapel and and Petershill previous in the season? I know, obviously, Saturday's result didn't go your way, but did you you beat them? Because I see you've lost five games this year. Petershill have only lost two, uh, and Drumchapel have lost four. How have you fared against the the, the teams round about you?
2: Um, We beat Drumchapel at home 2-1. Um, and we were good on the day, we were well worthy, we were, well, we were, we were, we were one. Um Obviously, Peters Hill and the Drummer are really good sides, um, but Peters Hill beat us in the reverse leg, so they've actually beat us twice this season, which is obviously disappointing for us. Um, they beat us doing a little at home when we were going through a bit of a sticky patch of we lost. Um, to St Anthony's and Yoker, teams below us run about the same period, so we were in a great place back then. which is. Um, obviously hurt us in the season, but um, aye, that's that was probably a disappointing thing in Saturday as well to to lose for the second thing to Peter's Hill, who are obviously our rival for for where we want to get to. So
0: and and having lost as well to Peter's Hill, I mean, I, I was looking at your record in I think it was at the end of January when you were top. I think you'd got a record like in your last six games at the end of January. I saw a statistic. You'd scored something like 32 goals in those six games and only conceded two goals. I mean, to, to have had this little stumble now must be must be doubly frustrating after having such a good January and, and putting yourself in that in that position.
2: I absolutely. The boys have been brilliant. Some of the victories and some of the play has been it's been excellent. But we, we were only kidding myself and you. Peter's always going to be a different animal. Um, <clears throat> they're a top side. They don't give much away. They're very well organised. You're probably seeing their goal difference that um, it's up there with the best of the teams at our level this year. Um, so it was always going to probably be one goal would win the game on Saturday. Uh, we don't give much away. They don't give much away. Both get players and the teams that can hurt teams. But it's, it was just disappointing and down to 10 men so early when I felt that we didn't really have that second 45 to go and have a right go at them. Um, when I felt we were just starting to get into up.
1: Going into the conference this year, Kist, did you believe that you could be up challenge and Is that something you you set out to do?
2: Yeah, aye, we were. Um, before the conferences get set up, we were in the championship and we finished fourth. And the top three teams are into the Premier League, so we were effectively the next best finishing team. And when they put teams into the conference, they kind of done a snake system. It was like fourth, fifth, sixth, and then seventh would go into the league with six, and that sort of idea. And we were, the way it landed for us was was really frustrating because we ended up with teams like Peter Hill, who didn't have a great season that year, but had just brought Lockie in as manager, and you knew they were going to have a, have a real kick. Um, Drumchapel had got put into a league as one of the new sides, and they were the new side that everybody wanted to avoid. And then we had teams like St Rocks and Koseyth, who were really strong teams in our championship as well. So you were looking at anybody for five, I think, that could have won the league. And we fancied ourselves in that as well. But there was always a risk that you had to finish in the top four to guarantee the championship at least, which was effectively as you were. So if you finished fifth, it was effectively relegation, which is where at the moment Koseyth find themselves which will be really frustrating for them because they are a championship club and they've just probably been unfortunate at the conference that they're fair, haven't
1: they? It really is split into three divisions within one conference, though, isn't it? You've got the <laughs> sort of, same rocks up, uh, the, the top four, and then you've got that middle section and there's nothing in that at all. You're talking like uh, St Anthony's on 39 points uh, all the way down to Lark Hall who are in 10th place on 30 points. I mean... A lot of footballs that we played in there, and then you've got the bottom eh, where Adroscand down to Lanark, which Lanark for me was a surprise to see them down there because over the years they've always they're, they're certainly going to be disappointed with their season, Chris.
2: Aye, and to be quite honest, that we had a better look at the leagues and the way the leagues kind running at the moment, that's probably how I would have expected it to be, probably we're shooting it out we're safe there as well in that middle section and then the, the, the teams that have been toiling a wee bit at the bottom eh, for one reason or another have changed managers brought in a lot of under-20s players and that type of thing changed the way the clubs have been going forward but i surprised at Larnock, but it's a good friend of mine Simon Eels that's, that's taken over there he's a cracking football guy uh, he plays in the right manner he'll get people playing for him mirroring his style, he's really committed lad, fit lad, and um, good player as well. So I'm sure Lanark will, will do really well if they're in that bottom league next year. Um I would expect them to probably be looking to, to kick on and get out of that bottom league soon as
0: I saw um well we're, we're recording the the show tonight on uh, on Tuesday night. I saw I saw Jamie Jamie Doherty was released today are you already? Are you already looking to next season? Are you already shaping your squad for next season on the basis of what, what's to come?
2: Yeah, I think because the way the conferences have been, um, whether you're going to be in that Premier League next year or the Championship, our fight was probably still going to be with teams that are a very similar level. We We're only going to be challenging the top six in the Premier League. It was going to be maybe that next set of teams and. The way that's looking if we're in the championship next year that could be teams like Largs, Cumbernauld, Coburny, Glen Afton, big clubs with great infrastructure, great resources, great finance so um, if I'd had one eye on next year it would be remiss as not to have done that and um, I think we've signed up we've extended the deals at 12 with our current squad we're still talking to a couple of the lads and we've obviously got a few targets that that we think can Take us to the next level and improve what we've already got.
1: And going into the conferences, Chris, did you have uh, the same squad that you had mm-hmm. coming out of the Championship or did you freshen things up a little bit? Obviously, with that kind of Covid break in between as well?
2: Yeah, no, we freshened things up a bit. We brought in a couple of young lads, young Kieran Brophy that we signed from, he'd been released from Morton. Um, You've set up, we brought in young Connor Bulger for our own. You've set up. Both have done really well for us um, and a couple of other lads we would brought in and then um, we lost our, our Vice-Captain Stephen Dockery, he had to retire um, just due, due to work commitments and stuff and we really missed him initially in the, in the centre of the park so um, aye, we, we definitely strengthened. It's, a, it's the strongest group we've had since we've been up there in the three years but um, I think to just kick on to that next level probably maybe two or three bodies still.
1: And how, how do you see the run? How do you feel it's going to go? Because we spoke about this a couple of weeks on here and I actually thought I, I think I, I that Drumchap will go all the way. But I just see, obviously, Lockie's got a good side there at Peters Hill. I just see that uh, they've got the game in hand. How do you see it going between now and then?
2: Uh, l- looking at Peters Hill's four remaining fixtures, um, if I was a betting man, I would bet Peters Hill to win there. The, the four remaining fixtures they're a really well-oiled machine they're, as I say they're very well organised and they play to their strengths they, they look to hit their two strikers that both boys could catch greyhounds they're, they're rapid quick and it's they play to their strengths they with it day and they day it well um, I think that's why they've been successful at this level you, score, you can score quite a, quite a number of goals just turning defences and uh, I think that's what they've done well so um, aye I've I can't see Peter Sill slip him up, but obviously ourselves and obviously Hope at Drumchapel will be fingers crossed. But yeah, aye. all we can do is try and win my last four games, which includes a game in hand over Drumchapel and a game against Drumchapel, which would take us above them and then hope that Peter Sill slip up.
1: And it's been a great season, hasn't it, for Hopi eh? and eh, Drumchapel this year and the, f- the first season at this level. Eh, superb, how have you found them?
2: Yeah, they've been really good. It's it's always hard. I know they were an amateur team before that, and and hope they've had a difficult time. with playing at the Donald Dewar, not being allowed fans, and the COVID set up, and moving to Maryhill, and then back to Donald Jour, now trying to find other parts, and that it's been difficult for them because they don't have that infrastructure yet. But they're trying. Do you know what I mean? They're, they're trying their best to get there. They're putting things in place to get there, and. In terms of what they've done on the part, they've obviously got decent resources because they've brought in a lot of seasoned uh, junior players, uh, some of whom that I've played with myself in the past. And um, aye, they've, they've built a strong squad that should have been challenging for the league at, at this level.
0: As I say, you're uh, you're the co-manager at New Austin, uh, Chris. Uh, your partner in crime, Derek Carson. Uh, yeah. I think I think you've been there since well, almost. Almost four years now. I mean you two must be getting close to being one of the longest serving groups around with it. I mean it's such a high turnover in the in, in the West, isn't there? You know, you you think of uh, Tommy Sloan and and then it's maybe maybe you boys.
2: <laughs> aye, 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 I I hadn't realised that before actually, but somebody that actually says to me that these are probably not gone <laughs> be the longest serving, but obviously part of your time was interrupted with the yeah. The, COVID, the the initial championship getting stopped, I think it was January, February, and then we tried to come back last year and make that wee money league I think we played eight games and it got stopped again, so there's probably a, se- a season of that that's been interrupted, so <laughs> it's probably helped us uh, <laughs> last a bit longer. And and how,
0: how does it work? I mean, in, in the past we've talked on here, Paul's obviously uh, had, had Craig Gupwell as his, as his uh, co-manager at, at New Mainz, and... Um, has talked about the benefits of having a co-manager. How, how do you two kind of uh, work it? I mean, you, you played together at Nielsen, didn't you, as players, so you knew each other previously?
2: But we, we played together at boys' club level, um, ah. under 21s. So we've known each other for probably since we were 18, 19. Um, we both went up to Nielsen. Derek had left. We both played for a while at Renfrew as well. Um, but outside of playing... With, We were still pals, we still go lads holidays and stuff like that. So, um, I was at Renfrew coaching and Derek was at Nielsen, had been brought in to do a bit of coaching with uh, the previous management team. And um, Derek had said to us that (coughs) that they thought the job was coming up. Marty Campbell and that had a couple of games remaining and they had alluded to the fact that a particular game would be the last game. And um, I'd already spoke to the committee. Before Martin that took the job, about the potential of becoming the manager in the future. So I think when it came up this time, it just seemed right. Derek was already there. It was something that I wanted to get involved in at that stage, having coached at Renfrew for a while. Um, Nielsen's always been my, my junior club. Um so I it was something that just felt right at the time. The squad, at the time I didn't think needed too much surgery. The aim was to stay in the championship, which I felt was easily achievable so aye it just seemed it just seemed the right thing the right thing to go for
1: obviously myself and Craig are still together as co-managers and uh, we kind of just fell together it wasn't something that we had planned although we did know each other it was just the way it worked out obviously you go back and say the two of you were friends you know, coming through the ranks is that something that you spoke about that if, when he's got a job the, the, the two of yous were going together or was it just the way it worked out
2: no, it wasn't. It was um, we'd initially spoke about it, um, and i says, "Well, I would be going for the manager's job." And the boy was also coaching at Renfrew. was Davy Gordon, who was our coach just now, him and Derek have been best mates for a number of years. So it was a bit deal that went in, and David Gordon was always going to the coaching stuff. He's got his badges, and <laughs> doesn't no want involved in in picking teams and stuff like that. He just wants to do the day training. Um, and initially Derek was going to be the an assistant and we spoke about it. Derek had a good rapport with a few others, probably some of them that, that we were keen on keeping, that was, there was interest for elsewhere. So again, it just seemed the right the right thing. I was working in Manchester at the time, Tuesday to Thursday, so I was missing training on a Tuesday, heading up the road on a Thursday to try and make that session. Um, so it just seemed like the right thing for it a, a co-manager's position so that at least there was always a manager there, two nights a week and stuff, so that's it. that's situation's changed now, but at the time it was good, and to be quite honest, Derek does a lot of the stuff that I didn't even think was involved to, to be honest I, I I thought you just picked a team <laughs> <laughs> to be like, quite honest I just thought, how hard can it be you turn up, you pick a team, you keep boys on side you look to go and sign players and stuff like that, but the work Derek does, he's really OCD and know about stuff, and Aye, you talking about set plays and equipment and everything. And Derek, he's brilliant with all that stuff. <laughs> stuff that I would probably be thinking, well, wow, what's going on here? So, um, <laughs> aye, it, it works. It, it works. It's, it's good for us.
1: What kind of stuff is he? Is he kind of OCD? I know you touched on what, what equipment you've got, but is it everything from all just all the match day preparation? Is it you know what the boys are wearing on the match days? Does he cover all, all bases?
2: Everything. Everything. You talk about your WhatsApp groups, Derek. First guy on, this is when we're training guys, this is when we need you here, this is the kit we're wearing, this is what we need you to bring, Um, make sure we're doing this, this is when the bus is leaving on a Saturday, need to be late, here's the list. put everyone up on the boards on a Saturday, does the set pieces, Friday night on the phone, I don't think there's a day goes by I don't speak to Derek or or we're we're on the messages and I know players don't see any of that and probably don't appreciate all that but the time, and I, and I don't mind saying Derek definitely puts more time into, into it than probably I do. Eh? Um aye, he's he's right on it. Do you I mean? It's sometimes you've got to actually say to him, Take a step back and just take your head out of it for a while, do you know what I mean? Um but aye he's he's really good at all that stuff. Silly stuff, bringing bibs, cones, footballs, the the full shooting match. Aye. He's, he's on it.
0: And do you, I mean, again, Paul has talked about the benefits of having co managers and I mean we've seen them up, up the leagues. You know, we've seen them in in down south up here, maybe not necessarily work in the senior game. But yeah. do you do you think at that level, again, Paul's always talked about the benefit that you can you know, when you've got to, you've got other priorities in your life that, you know, go around your football that having two of you there to to share the workload, it does and it should work and it can work.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't expect it to, to happen too often in the senior game, particularly if you're full-time, because you, you've got to take me concentrate on all that side of stuff, and you've probably got a wee bit more staff there to, to deal with all that other stuff that you probably uh, have to deal with at our level. Um, like I say, it's like kit and stuff like that, which you would expect at senior level of the game. You are only really worried about your players and picking a team and stuff like that, so I wouldn't expect to see it too often at that level, but... At our level, um, I think it can work because it is it is almost a 24/7 job. So somebody sharing that load, it it certainly helps.
0: And w- was there a pride when the two of you went in there? The fact that you were both ex nielston players must have been a. I know we're talking <laughs> nearly, nearly four years ago now, but you must have been quite proud to get it as well. You know, as you said, as you've already said, they were your junior team.
2: I there was, was a pride as well, but there's always been probably a frustration and I, I used to go and watch Nielsen games as well When i speak to the committee and it's frustrating but when we were at Nielsen we were a Premier League club finishing in the top six like comfortably under Sammy Johnson bringing in Premier League players players out of the, the low leagues in Scotland so we were a big sight And a side that teams didn't like coming to play um, and quite a number has moved on some boys went senior some boys went to other clubs in the Premier League. <clears throat> At that point, uh, just probably because Sammy Johnson had left and was looking to go to Pollock, um, and we lost a number of boys, and the, the club got relegated for the Premier League, and then mm-hmm. relegated for the Championship, and found himself in that kind of third tier where it was just sitting there for a number of years, and it was really frustrating watching that far. Um, Having seen where the club had been probably for a good five to ten years challenging in that Premier League, trying to win the Premier League. So um when we went back up there, it was I was really proud, and it was an interview, it wasn't a about it. But it was at the same time thinking, like, what do we do, the guys are in this room to try and get the club back to the Premier League? Like we're not here just to float about, if you like. Um, and that was that was our aim. And I think we frustrate the committee at times. Uh, we probably asked for a wee bit too much, but, aye, all I can say is no.
1: Is it a well-supported club, and do you have, like, a social club that, that helps, sort of, with, with the finances to, to, run it?
2: We don't have a social club, no, we, we've got a couple of local bowling clubs, just right off the park, and, um, those help financially, as do the, the, uh, the local pub, who's one of our sponsors, the Killip Bar, and, um, and there's a number of other sponsors, within the village, in the community, so, community pull together and give the club um, what they can which is which is very decent to be fair and um, but we don't have that big backer or that sort of level of finance or investment that even other clubs within our championship this year have Um, we would probably be i would say middle of the table type budget in our conference this year um but um, the committee are great ways. We've got a great setup up in terms of the park. The park's immaculate. Um, the committee do everything they can for the boys. Uh, Their kits here are well looked after. So, um, Aye, we can sell the club in other ways in terms of professionalism and how lads are looked after. And whatever the club have got, they, they certainly give the players.
1: And you get a few through the turnstiles on the Saturday in a home game?
2: Aye, and it's certainly... Even the players have commented since Christmas and we've been on a decent run and scoring goals. There's definitely been a lot more bodies coming through uh, through the gate, which is good. Um, but We always suffered a wee bit when Atholay were doing well and were doing well again this year. It's, if Atholay are away, then people come out to Nielsen and if Nielsen are away, people go to Atholay and the like. But, um, I've been to a couple of Atholay games this season and even ours and certainly seems a bigger appetite in this area for but people are going and watching football at a level again, which is testament to what both clubs are doing. And um, aye, so we've been delighted to see more people come through the gate, and, and hopefully that continues.
0: Yeah, I mean that is that is good to hear. Do you think? Um, I mean, do you think that interest did die away a little bit? You talk about the Austin tumbling down the leagues and things like that. Do you think the the local interest they did get a bit kind of disillusioned when when things were going the way they were previously?
2: Aye, it did. There's no doubt about it, I should say. I, I still not seen uh, Nielsen games as often as I could and it was sad to see the, the batting that we used to get in the Premier League and even top end of the Championship compared to where it then went to. Um, aye, it was sad and, and, and that was always our aim to try and... Get the club back competing again, big games, big Scottish Cup games, big Western Scotland Cup games, good runs in the league, so that you can start getting people coming back again and, and turning Nielsen, Briggate Lee into a difficult place to come and play again. Um, which I think we've done, um, but still a bit to go. Is,
0: is is it is it just the success that's brought them back? Do you think? Or, I mean, are the clubs, you, yourselves, Arthur Lee, we had, we had, we had Craig Palmer on the other week there. Are the, are the, are the clubs actually doing things to you know generate it? beyond just people seeing you winning every week and being at the top of the table? I mean, for example, your social media guys and these kind of things, is, is there a lot of effort now put into to that side of things?
2: Aye, I was just about to say that. It's obviously a different, a different era now when you've got the social media and that type of stuff. Um, that's definitely helped as well. Um, and I know the club are looking to expand on that again and bringing in different people and new people on the committee. To try and drive that forward as well because um, a lot of clubs in terms of sponsorship and getting people through the gates um, it's massive it? it seems to be the main the main vehicle to get people through the gates so um, yeah I did all of that so
1: do you think the whole West of Scotland league has uh, generated a little bit more interest as well obviously with the, the conferences Maybe not for you guys coming down from the Championship, but do you think there's a, a wee bit element of excitement about it, especially going into the league's uh, situation next year?
2: I think it's been good. I think it's been... I really enjoyed doing football. Oh, I loved it. Um, great time and that, but it probably got a wee bit still. Looking like we're just running away with everything every year. Um, and there was never really to go. Same clubs fighting for promotion, relegation, that type of thing. And, I think that's West of Scotland set up where it's as it a proper pyramid. Um and I I think it's been really good. And I think once these conferences are out of the way and teams start to fall into where they would generally be, I think each league's gonna be really, really competitive and I think you'll probably see the best football at this level next season.
1: And and for Nielsen, where where do you where can Nielsen go within this pyramid system? Do you think they can be up there on the top of the Premier League or we wish your guys ambitions
2: we would aim realistically um, under the current financial constraints that we've got um, I would, I, for me it's always I would, I would like to take the club back into the Premier League the, the club need to strive to be a Premier League club um, on and off the park. so if we can try and get additional investment into the club um, great if we can then we just need to try and. Get players that we probably wouldn't otherwise have got through other other means. Whether it's begging, great or I've gone and finding a few gems in the amateurs or or um, youth football. Which, to be fair, we've done done well in my time. So, um, aye. We it, it could be fair. If if we don't make it this year, which which obviously Saturday's hurt us, but we've have not been far away at all. Um, obviously next year will be really difficult in the championship because there's probably going to be Ten teams out of the sixteen fancy themselves to win it, <laughs> but you've got to have those ambitions. And and we, to be fair, we've we've now got a team getting into every game that I feel we can win the game. Whereas it's probably the only season I've felt that since we've been up there. Um, that obviously there's, there's games where you felt right, we should win today. But I've never went into every game thinking I fancy to win the day. Um, which is where we are just now. So, um, aye, it's a decent place to be.
0: Take take us into your dressing room a bit if you if you could and and just uh, tell us about some of the boys in there. I mean, every dressing room is the same, and that there's louder boys and things like that. Guys, more experienced guys, the guys that you'll lean on. Your captain, give us a give us a bit of an insight into into your squad.
3: Uh
2: we've got quite a young group, but starting at the back, we've got two we've got two number ones. We've got Grant Hay, um, and James Digney. James has been at the club. For a number of years, on and off, um, I played with James when I was up there at Newson. We won uh, uh, the the Central District League. Really good, solid goalkeeper. He's a bit of a madman on a night out, to be fair. Um, big Grant's a lot more quiet. Both very steady goalkeepers. Really, really make mistakes. They're just steady goalkeepers. They say they're two number ones. Usually, a lot of clubs will carry a, a one and a two, but the two of them fight it out and. Whoever's got the gloves has get the gloves really because the only way the other one gets them back is if one of them goes on a holiday or a stag door or something like that. So it's, <laughs> it's been difficult for them but testament to both of them um, for sticking out because it must be difficult sitting there knowing that yeah. you could boot the team for a while. Um, full backs we've got Robbie Halliday, who's Andy Halliday's brother but better looking. Um, really good lad. This season, his fitness has been incredible. He's took it up a notch and for me it's it's made him a far better player. Centre-half, so we've we'll got big Ewan Clark, who's been there a number of years. Again, sent off on Saturday, but he's been excellent for us this year and he's took his game to another level as well, so delighted with him. And we've we'll got Paul Doyle, um, really experienced at centre-half. Not the biggest, but great in the air. Great lad about the place. Um, <clears throat> he's like a manager within the group. Um and to yeah, we'll be a chat him hanging the boots up next year, but... He's been immense, so we've, we've um, convinced him to stay on another season. And looking, he probably help me with some coaching and that next year as well. But um, Fullback Ross McKinnon, who was signed from um, through the East, very, very steady player as well. Smashing lads. So we've got two good fullbacks and two steady centre half. so that's why our defensive record's been good this year. Um, club captain Steph Stillen, never played at our level of football before, he was at Rangers. Yeah. Martin, Martin, yeah, Terrible injuries, so his legs had went a bit. Um, he's my brother's friend. I'd been trying to get him down to play for, for about three years, and he was no interest whatsoever. And we were on a night out one night, and he says, listen, I fancy coming just see how it goes. I think he came down to Whitlits one day. We were struggling for bodies, and he says, no matter what happens, don't put me on. I'll sit on the bench, but don't put me on. Uh, we were down 2-1, and I've stuck him on. He didn't want to go on 3-2, and he was... I, I, we took a bus that day, and I think every fan was willing to pay him up. I, you need to give that boy whatever he wants; he's got to sign. So, uh i been outstanding. It's not, it's not the best season this year, to be fair. There's a lot of things, um, haven't gone his way, but um, great lad about the place, and, uh, hope he kicks on again. Um, I, think I mentioned last young Connor Bolger, winger, really young, raw, great pace, um. Bit of an attitude about him, which is good sometimes and <laughs> uh, not so good other times, but his numbers have been good for us this year. Um, and young Kieran Brophy, who we got from Morton, who's in the main been excellent for his um, young lad. You can tell he's been coached well and um, plays the game well. Um, so uh, we've, we've, we've got some real talent in the group. I've um, probably got a really strong 15, 15 16, and if we can add two or three to that, then um, like I say, it's I fancies on a Saturday now to go and beat teams. so um, It's getting harder when we get beat just, be, just for that fact that you're expecting to win games now. Um,
1: so, yeah. yeah. Probably the element comes in there as well, isn't it? It's like you're so close that a defeat sets you so far back. You just need to look and anybody listening to this, go and have a look at uh, the conference that you guys are in. It must it must feel like such a setback.
2: Aye, I usually I wouldn't have even said that, and even in Saturday in the dressing room, you, you couldn't hide your disappointment because everybody knew what it meant. It was a cup final on Saturday. Um it felt like that. It felt like we obviously had five difficult games, and we we'll still get four difficult games to come, but um, I felt if we'd beat Peter Sol, it would have kept us that real momentum getting into those four games and you knew if you win those four games you win the league. Um whereas now you're you're looking for favours. Um and big favours at that. So really, really disappointing. But well, as I say, all we can do is try and post a good score, win more four games, repeat ourselves being in cup action the next few weeks, and just hope for the best.
1: Who's your four games against and, and, and how many are at home?
2: Uh, three away we play Wishow away on Saturday, then we play Lanark away following week. Drumchapel away. Um, don't know where that is yet. I think they've possibly been, but and we um, played right at home in the last game. So it's not
1: so, too bad. At, not too bad. Running Drum Chapel's got
2: to be a big key game, isn't it? Aye, no, definitely. Um, Drum Chapel obviously need to beat us as well to, to look to win the league. Um, they can't afford any slip-ups to beat us all. Then would probably go on and win the league. So um, it's good. It's good being in this stage of the season. Do you know what I mean? We always we always said if. We, we were in it the last maybe five or six games and great we'll have a go but aye, Saturday took the stuffing out as a wee bit but we just need to get back on the horse
1: the the last game of the season it could come down to nobody knows where the trophy's going
2: <laughs> well there's every aye there's every chance that could happen if, if, if we beat managed to beat Drumchapel and obviously the, where Sean Lanners in between then I think get into the last game it would be in Peter Sell's hands but aye <laughs> nobody at that stage would really know where it's going
0: you mentioned uh, you've got Andy Halliday's brother playing for you. I, I know Andy often talks about how you know he's a big fan of the you know this level of football and uh, he goes to watch him a lot. Do you I mean do, do you see a lot of him down there when he's not got a a game on now for Hearts that he'll often be down supporting him and 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 uh, supporting the club.
2: I've seen him doing a few things. Look, my brother and that come and watch him oh, I've seen Andy Halliday. That not done. To be honest, quite often I. I notice people are there, but I don't really notice who they are. I just, um, I, I just see bodies to be fair. So, but I have seen him a few times, and I know he does come um, and watch Robbie when, whenever he can. Um, and I think he's mentioned there's a few times on his, his on goal podca- podcast. So, um I, I know he does get to some games.
0: And last week, last week we had uh, the fanart manager Brian Blair in, and he was telling us about his kit man Stevie. So we've decided every week we're going to ask about kit man of the week now so tell us a bit about your kit man and a bit about their background and what what what, what they bring to the, the 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 club
2: our kit man is um graham graham's a great guy for the club probably if it wasn't for graham and um, the doors would probably have closed in some of those tough years um, he was the kit man when i was up there originally we were in the premier league um, and <clears throat> He's now, I don't know if he would say it. he's worked his way up, but I would say he's worked his way up. He is the main man. He's a chairman at the club and the kit man. So he is a, uh, he's an unsung hero. He's, a, he's up there washing strips, bibs, towels. I think he must be up there every day of the week. Um, sometimes we actually say, him to, I don't know what he's up there then, but he's, he's up at the park all the time. He puts in some amount of hours um, and sometimes he, he does all that and doesn't he make the games on a Saturday, which which is even more incredible, and it just shows what the, the sort of commitment he's got for the club. And um, he's just one of the guys that you, you just know he'll continue doing that for the next ten, fifteen, whatever years. Um, brilliant guy for the club, and every club at all level needs him. So um, uh, he's invaluable.
1: What's uh, Graham's view on cut socks and players' <coughs> socks?
2: <laughs> hates it Man's nightmare man. <laughs> it. I, I think he's, You know what it's like There's always a plan That if you cut your socks You should take them home And then you you keep the but You know what it's like Boys turn up Forgot my socks And before you know it You've got 20 pairs of cut socks And I, I think we will never out there The sports shops Buying new ones Which which is fortunate we've actually got a lad that works for only sport where we get work at for in the team. So he's 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 got an order every three weeks I think. But um, is that I, the only,
0: is, that, is that the only reason you pick him?
2: Haven't you seen that? No, but um, some of the lads have. But no. Nah. <laughs> <clears throat> I've
1: seen I've seen the same boy being warned, don't cut him out a pair of socks, and the following week I've I've caught him with scissors in his hands. <laughs>
2: I can't even head around it but I know lads wear these sock boots and all that nowadays and, um, so I thought, aye, I it's beyond my generation so I, I can't really fathom what, what the deal is but you,
0: you, you mentioned Graham without Graham the club the doors could have closed on the club just, just tell us briefly a bit more about that I mean it, was he because of the work he put in you know without that work and commitment then the club might not, not have been able to keep going? Is that the kind of stark reality almost?
2: Aye, we've, we just don't have the biggest the biggest committee. Some of our committee members are also, we've got a great youth development system, so we've got an under-20s, we've got teams right down the levels. And some of our committee members who are great on the committee, but they can't make Saturdays, because um, they've got their own teams. So they run, say, the under-15s, under-14s, that, that type of thing. Um, we've also got guys on the committee that are very often they work away and stuff like that. So Graham is the one constant. He, lives, he probably lives about three minutes for the park, which helps. So if there's any issues, it's always just get Graham up. But uh, just one of the guys that does everything. If ever there's a problem about the place, he, he lines the park, he puts the nets up, he does the pitch inspections in the morning. He's ever the referee. If the referee's doing a pitch inspection, he's on the phone to us. He's wanting the game on. He's wanting to half <laughs> that type of thing. And, Clubs just can't survive without these people because everybody thinks, fuck it, wouldn't come to that? Somebody else will do it, but there's not too many people volunteer for that side of, the, side of the, um, the coin. So, aye, he's a smashing guy and he's probably, I don't know if he feels appreciated as much as he should be, but um, he's definitely appreciated for the, the management and the players for sure.
3: My name's Tommy Sloan, Occulent Talbot manager. You're listening to Down the Divisions.
0: Our dear had been the lowest ranked team in the West of Scotland, but Sean Kenny took charge in the summer and last week they officially confirmed their place in next year's Division 2. It's been some turnaround and I'm pleased to say Sean joins us now. Well, Sean, we've had you on before and we've heard the high standards you set, but surely you must be happy with this.
4: I definitely I'm, I'm delighted we're, um, I think I think if we look at the big picture we would have definitely taken this at the start of the season that's for sure I think I think it's been it's been a long hard season and, and I keep saying that and I know it's well, the night we're recording this the first day of March and it's it's been a long season even mm-hmm. though we're just at this stage but we're again and things like that it was a slog at times and I think we felt that probably the middle middle part of the season but Listen, overall, I'm delighted and the the boys have been excellent. Congratulations, Sean. Absolutely superb. Coming from
1: where you guys have been, we spoke about on the show last week. I think it was last week. Big praise for you guys. Tell us about the season so, so far and when you were into this campaign, did you really expect to get up a league, be promoted?
4: Um, I, I do not expect anything, to be honest, it, it was really, it really was the unknown we came in and, and I, I hadn't been in this level and a lot of the boys hadn't either, so it, it would have been really hard to set targets or anything like that, we just had to come in and, and try and win games, what we did sort of speak about was we had to start early, um, maybe teams would have looked at it, it, and maybe they did, maybe they didn't, they thought obviously our dean have struggled in recent years, just a team coming for the amateurs, Whatever, we, had to, we had to try and capitalise on anything that we could get like that. So uh, we obviously had a really good start and, and that's obviously been massive for us because we're the sticky stages of the season as well. But no, as I say, it's, however many points you end up at the end of the season, it's as we deserve to be, isn't it? Tell us a wee bit about that start, Sean, because he certainly took the league by storm. Aye, uh, the boys, as I say, it's it's... Uh, in pre-season when we came in in pre-season obviously we had already started our pre-season at Kilbride Thistle had one set up deal didn't have anything set up um, obviously with the a manager leaving and of like the players so obviously deal didn't have anything lined up so where we talk as I said the plan was to we keep our pre-season going um, and obviously it was primarily amateur teams we played um, good amateur teams we, we always play against good amateur teams but what I, I sort of thought was we'd maybe play a couple of junior teams, well, ex junior teams, best of Scotland teams, at the end of pre-season. We played the Whitletts, so they beat us 3-1. And We played Luger, I'm sure we, we beat them 3-1. Um, but I wanted to sort of try and come in and, and sort of fly under the radar a wee bit, because I felt that we had we had a, a decent squad. Um, and if we could come in without making much noise on the part where results in pre-season, then teams maybe would take us a wee bit lighter and... Teams would maybe think just an amateur team or same old idea or something like that, and, and we had t- we spoke a lot about trying to start the season well. And I think with the constant games, it really helped us actually because momentum works both ways in football. When we had good momentum at the start, and um, and and we, it was something we actually spoke about that it could quickly change as well. So I felt I think I said before I felt sorry for the boys at times that we get a great result and made a lot of good results at the start of the season. And then they get five minutes, and then it was just me moaning about the next game and things like that. So I think that's that's probably how the boys would sum up the start of the season. It was all right, because Sean just moaned every five minutes. So
0: <laughs> I think uh, I think it was down at Port Glasgow drawing with St caddox on the weekend that that ultimately you know secured your place in, in Division Two for next season. I guess in an ideal world you'd have been out in the park, getting the points to actually secure it so you could, you could celebrate together on the park and celebrate together that evening. How, how did, or have you celebrated? How, how has that been over the last uh, few days? Because I think maybe you, did you have a friendly on the weekend?
4: Uh, we, played, um, we played Craig Mark on Saturday morning um, and that I, I was, I was a good runner. Craig, Craig Mark had a good team. He's done a great job there and, and I really hope they guys can go and, and finish their season strong and get a promotion as well. Um, but, I was actually I was in my, assist, my assistant manager Michael Walsh I was in his house um, after the game. We would went and watched the game, and then um, I was in, and uh, we couldn't see a result. We couldn't get any results up, and Michael would come in and say to us and I think about an hour later we were in the pub. So <laughs> it was it was, uh, it was a good night on Saturday, but obviously the we boys were sort of dotted all over the place. But um, we, we don't have a fixture this weekend, a league fixture or that, so we're playing Saltcoats next a friendly. Um, and so, it's have kindly agreed to an eleven o'clock kickoff because we're we're all going out Saturday, so <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're going up. Uh, it's one of the boys, Matt bottles birthday as well, so a, a wee double celebration.
0: What well, I mean, what, what was it like on Saturday though? And then you, you didn't know the score, uh, you didn't know the outcome. We did. We, we uh, in a weird way, we uh, we a bit nervous,
4: like waiting for that score to come through. Or? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say so because. It, we, we sort of felt like we'll, we'll get two games to go. Still, this, is, this has sort of been happening for a wee while. If, I think if we won our last, I think if we beat got Cairn, like against Gard Cairn, we could have went up there and that would have been in our hands. And, um, it's just been one of the ones that it's sort of been ongoing going for a couple of weeks now. But I, as you see, ideally we'd have done it. But I suppose we have. We, we have done it. Um, it just... Not in the park in the final, the final sort of kicking the ball sort of thing, but but, but the good thing about uh, this group of boys is if there's an excuse to celebrate, they will celebrate, they're
1: good that way. And, you, and I suppose you wouldn't have foreseen that result, St Caddick's way, Port Glasgow as well, you, you would have thought that St Cadix would have won that.
4: Well, you, St Caddick's are a really good team, and you probably would, you probably, they would have definitely been the favourites, but we know 1st we people did it at Port Glasgow, and Port Glasgow beat us. Um, it's, it's, they're, they're good down there, and I know they're a physical team, but they, they can pass it as well. They, they maybe don't get the credit they deserve as well, and they'll obviously show great character. I think they were 2-0 down, and come back to each if, if I'm right. Um, I, th- I think I think that's right. I could be wrong, but either way, a draw against the Caddox it isn't easy for him then. He deserve a lot of credit for the result as well. And, and what what does this now
0: provide you with? Being able to to secure this so so early, if you like, and what what are you going to do now to build on this? What are you already thinking about next season now, and about what you can do to to in, to ensure this progress continues?
4: That's it, i hundred percent. It's been we've been thinking about it for a wee while, to be honest. Um, the, the the people that we're speaking to and things like that, it, it doesn't change. It doesn't seem massively like, because we're ambitious anyway. We, we're going to speak to as good a player as we possibly can anyway. Um, but it's maybe just gives us a bit more of a pull. We'll still speak to the guys, but now we've got maybe a wee bit of backup to say that we've well, obviously we're, we're going in the league um, above. And it's obviously going to be maybe a wee bit more attractive for people. But see. It, it's gave us a platform. It's gave, it's gave us... And that's what this season's been. It's just so sort I of laid the foundations. Um there's still there's still a long way to go for the club on and off the park. Um and I think I think the good thing is it's it's a gradual progression. I think um I, I, as I've said, I probably I probably wouldn't have said that a few weeks ago or, or maybe January time when we were maybe still in contention for fourth spot, but to be truthful, with the club off the park and possibly on it was isn't ready for that league in the, in the first division? Um, and You look at the teams that are possibly coming down, um, there's a lot of good teams coming down, and there's a lot of good teams going to go up into that league as well. Um, so that's going to be a really, really hard league. I'm not saying we would have done this or we would have done that, but it's we've seen this season how easy it is for teams to go on a bad run and, and, maybe, and maybe heads go down and things like that. It's hard to go to that slump. As I say, I'm not saying that would have happened, but it's a big, big jump for us to be comp- competing with the teams every week, um, and it could have set us back possibly, really, if we were in there and we weren't ready. Um, this this club still needs a lot of work done, to it off the park and on the park. And um, we've got a real, we've got a good young team. Our average age of teams twenty one, so we work with the boys, and and I can see us getting better and better. We're adding adding good players as well, obviously, and, and probably a bad experience. But right now, I think this is a good progression for us into this league, and again, we'll still look to keep progressing, and, and we're still looking to go as high as we possibly can, but but probably that it gradually is going to suit deer better than a massive jump into one time. Not taking anything for
1: granted and not looking too far into the future, Sean, but next season, going into what will be, League 2? Is it League 2? You, you, you'll be going into you. League 2 w- won't be the same as probably the standard of the conference you're in this year because, you know, there's some big hitting teams in, in in the conference you were involved in. So you'd like to to think you guys will be up in the mix in that league as well. Is that something that you believe you can do?
4: The way it is right now, Paul, and without, without stating it obvious, we're, we're going to start the season zero point, same as everybody else. And I, I wouldn't say to any of the boys that, we will aim for mid-table, or we're aim for this, we're in for that. We're going to aim to try and finish as high as we possibly can. Finishing second doesn't really interest me, to be honest. Um, we want, and, that, and that's the same for everybody. everybody. I don't see why any team would want to get into this league and say we'll finish third. or We'll take, for, you know. I think, I think at the start, everybody's going to go and aim for to, to try and finish first and as high as you possibly can. But the point is that everybody's thinking the same. What are we going to do? It's going to be different and going to make us stronger and and on the park and off the park again and and, and get us to as high as we want to go. So we need to get everything right on and off the park and and it's going to give us the best possible chance to go and make a really good impact in the season this year. But I would never limit the boys to say finish fifth, finish sixth. I wouldn't say that. We're going to go and and, and, uh, reach for the stars basically and and try and get as high as we can. And
0: have you noticed the change in impression about the club now? Because... As I said at the start, there, RDA were the lowest ranked team. You were going in there. Not only did you have to change mentalities within the club, I suppose, and I know you brought a lot of guys in, but out with the club for recruitment, bringing bringing other guys in, you know, from out with the, maybe the, the the guys who played you previously. Do you believe now that reputation of RDA you've you you have managed to transform that, or do you still find there are some guys saying? Well, why would I want to play for Ardea? You know that kind of thing because of the because of their past and maybe their past's reputation.
4: I, th- I think it'll be. I think there's a bit of both, to be honest, Gareth. And I, as I say, I don't think it's just Ardea. And I think it'll be. I'm still just a, I'm still a guy that's coming for amateurs and, and been in it for, Been in this for one year. Ardea have, had a, have had a good season, a decent season. Um, but the big thing you need to do it consistently. I've had lots of teams that have had one good season and fell away. Um, so it's that consistency thing and the only, the only way that you can really shut people off and, and is by doing it regularly and and just and that's what we want to do I don't want, that's why a quick fixes and things like that don't work you need to be gradually getting better all the time um, and, and that's the only way we'll do it we're going to build the club up um, and it's on and off the park as, as we spoke about before there's as much of a plan off the park as there is on it and I, and I think that's the only way you can really answer it. In, in five years, that probably answers the question better because I can bring the arguments in. We aim to be as high as we possibly can. And, and plus, I quite like a bit of, in a weird way, I like a bit of criticism. And, and I like people doubting me a wee bit as well. And so it gets me going a wee bit.
0: <laughs> well, Sean, uh, congratulations again uh, on the achievement in such a short space of time. Uh we, we're recording this on uh, on Tuesday night and you're just fresh in from from a training session and you've not had your dinner. So we'll go we'll let you go and have your dinner. And uh thanks for coming on and uh all the best for for taking things forward.
1: Congratulations congratulations, Sean it's always been a it's a pleasure talking to you and great getting to know you over the last year or so. Absolute pleasure to speak to.
4: Likewise guys, it's it's always a pleasure to speak to you both. Um Thanks for having me back on again and Paul, all the best for, well, your last two games, is it? You two games left? Two
1: games to go, mate, aye. Two
4: games and then a big exciting summer. Aye? That's it. Uh.
1: <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thank,
4: Thank you. you. My name's Thomas
0: Irvine, manager of Force Wanderers and you're listening to Down the Divisions. And now it's time for Mark Mackay to tell us who was this week's Best of the West.
3: Last week's best of the West saw Darbo and Park head to head at Recreation Park. Darbo had a great opportunity from the penalty spot but Longmore got down low to his left to keep the ball up it. Just as it looked like it would be 0-0 at half time, the home side grabbed the first goal of the game when Kilpatrick scored. With only 3 minutes gone in the second half, Ryan McGregor did up from 12 yards to make it 1-1. With good chances for both sides it looks like nothing would separate these two sides but with 90 plus 6 minutes on the clock, the home side got their chance once again from 12 yards. Batman Longmore saved the initial penalty, but Scott Ferguson scores the rebound. The last few minutes saw three red cards, two for and one for Pollock. Overall, on the day, three penalties, three red cards, another good game for the neutral. A massive win for Peters Hill, who defeated Neilston 1-0 to make them strong favourites. Now for confidentiality.
1: Hi, I'm Ross Wilson, manager of Mary Hill, and you're listening to Down the Divisions.
0: Neilston co-boss Chris Cameron is with us. Well, uh, Chris, we've, we've looked at we've looked at Neilston, we've looked at you know management uh, this season, how the club's doing in the league and so on, but. Take us back to your playing days. Take us back to, to where it all began. I, I know uh, I know you were at St Peter's under twenty ones before stepping up to Neilston the first time. But um, t- tell us a bit more about that and coming through the coming through the system and uh, you know the pathway that eventually got you into you know the juniors.
2: Yeah, um, I played with S- St Mirren Boys Club and they they had a pro youth team. <clears throat> you often played a few games for the pro youth side, but it was never on the basis that. Um, you you would step in or get contracts or anything like that. You were you, you were for want of a better phrase, you were probably making up the numbers for the four or five lads that they were planning on keeping on. Um, so they went to Queen's Park for a while, and for there a couple of the lads were Paisley boys, and they agreed to go and sign with St. Peter's. Um, and I I was thinking at that point, don't know any of the boys. I was only eighteen at the time, a young eighteen, um, and the boys that were there. 2021 and for me that seemed like a, like a big jump um, and I went home one day St Peter's manager Bobby Martin was sitting in my living room uh, sitting with my mum and that uh, <laughs> and my mum saying aye I've, I've just you have to go and sign with St Peter's he's offered you to buy you a pair of boots and that so I've I've agreed it and stuff so, so that was me hooked on a St Peter's thing and she was your agent that was it aye mm-hmm. not a very good one at that um, <laughs> but aye so same with St Peter's, and at that point didn't know anybody in the team, but I knew all of them. Uh, I think I was the only boy that went up in the first season. I only played some like, six or seven games, and they made as a captain, and I just loved it. I loved it right for the off. Uh, the three managers there: Robert Fraser, Bobby Martin, Charles McKendry, They loved us, got on great with all the boys, and it was it was at that point probably the March, April time. Newson used to steal all our players. So the real conveyor belt where four or five of your players would just disappear at the at the tail end of the season when you were going for Scottish Cups, league league titles and stuff like that. Um, so that happened the first season, the second season, um, same again. We were Really successful second in the league, gone for a league. Nielsen stole three of our players, and we used to play Nielsen probably once a month in friendlies. We used to always beat them, so I used to think junior football was not much caught. Didn't really rate it, so when people used to say, I'm going junior. I used to think, well, you know, just staying here, it's, it's better here. Um, and then in my third year, we got to the, the Scottish Cup final under 21s. We could beat in penalties. And I think it was Irving Meadow manager was at the game. He'd asked us to play for the Meadow against Pollock in the Evening Times Cup final at New Orleans Field. So played in that. Um, it was a guy called Ross Burnley. We got beaten penalties off Pollock, and I was going to sign for Irvine Meadow <clears throat> that night, but I couldn't drive. And he was saying, oh, don't worry about it, come to training on Tuesday, we'll get somebody that can pick you up, and that sort of thing. And in the meantime, Nielsen had contacted us, um, I think they offered me £200 to sign with him or something like that. And to me, at that stage, it seemed like hundreds of money, so I was like, eh, aye, I'm just going to go there, it seems easier, my mates are up there. And that's how I signed with Nielsen. And I probably, Nielsen had just been relegated that year at the Premier League. Um, So I thought to myself, if I got there, i have just been relegated, probably got a better chance of playing as I would have been when they were in the Premier League. Um, And when I went up, first season, we finished third. Only two went up in the Championship, we finished third, we missed out to go safe. Um, And then the following year, we won the league, and that got us into the Premier League. Um, And then for the next two seasons, I think we finished fourth. And fifth in the Premier League. And both seasons were all right in the mix, probably, until the last two or three months. We just fell away. And I think it was at that stage, Sammy Johnson was our manager. There was a lot of interest in him for Arthur Lee, Pollock, some of the bigger Ayrshire teams. And I think he felt he took the club as far as he could. We just couldn't get that next step to go and try and challenge for the Premier League. Um, Sammy left and they brought in Colin Lindsay. As I say, it's quite a lot of the boys who started to go to beef. Two lads went to Stenhouse Muir, a um, couple of others were getting offers. Um, and I spoke to Gordon DL, and he'd offered me a good deal to go to Glenafton. And Glen Afton had just won the West of Scotland Cup. Their ambitions were to go and win the league and try and win the Scottish and stuff like that. So, um, aye. And it was a good... <laughs> I was getting married, and when I spoke to my wife, D.B., she thought it was a tremendous idea. So, um, aye. And that's why I signed for Glenafton.
0: Um, well, will uh, we'll, we'll kind of come on in a moment as to you know how things ended for you in terms of your playing days and why they ended. But um, before we do that, I mean, you mentioned Glen Afton. I think you went from Glen Afton back to Neilston, spell at Bells Hill, and back to Renfrew again.
2: Yeah, I went to Glen Afton um, to Bells Hill. So I never went back to Neilston at that stage. It was Glen Afton to Bells Hill, so still in the Premier League. Um, and I went, I signed with Bells Hill because I worked at Eurocentral. So sort of uh, quite handy. I can just nip down there straight for training and stuff. And Then my office space changed back to um, Paisley, where I live. Uh, so I was only halfway through my season at Bell and I spoke to the manager. They they sacked the guy that signed me, Tom McDonald, uh, who was a great a great guy, and his assistant uh, Gibby, who was a blunt tire manager. Um, but guys, and they brought in a new management team, played a different style, didn't they really? He it didn't suit me. I just probably didn't agree with. It, if I'm honest with you, I didn't. I didn't think it was getting the best out of what we had. Um, and I, I just asked if we really, if, if I could leave. And he said if I, if I, get the money back from me that Glen Afton signed you for, then if you want to go, that's fine. And um, then at, at that point, uh, David Gordon, who's our coach, and Derek Castleman at Renfrew, and um, they were on my case for a while to get down to Renfrew. So I signed the Renfrew, and. Um, Ah, it was a great it was a great move for me. I loved it. I loved my time that went through. Um really, really good. And it was I had three seasons there. And that's for myself and David Gordon went back to Newston. We were in the central first first division. Um and Andy Whiteford, who's on committed, committee he was a manager who had played with Andy in the Premier League with Newston. And he built the squad, it was it was pretty obvious we were going to win that league that year. It, he brought players out of the Premier League, players out of the Championship, that were flying, and I think we won the league. We, uh, we didn't win the league with ease, it was us and Shettleston, but both of us were away out the front. and um, I think there was a league decider in the last game of the season and we won the league. So, that was good for us. And Nielsen again, and um, the following season we were in the Championship, had a bad injury and didn't play much at all. Um, put on a bit of weight, couldn't really get back in the team. and. I wasn't enjoying my football at all, um, I spoke to Clarkie at Renfrew who says how do you know just come back down, see if Nielsen will let you away, come back down, get into training, see if you can get the buzz for it again, um, and to would be fair Nielsen was you to me, Andy's a good mate, and he would find me, and uh, <clears throat> I was only back at Renfrew a couple of weeks and I knew I wanted to get back in, try to get myself a bit far, I played the last seven or eight games of the season with Renfrew, and then the following season they moved to their New Park, which I loved, um, we were in the central first again that year, I think we won our first seven out we of seven, we were flying, again felt we would win that league pretty comfortably and I'd done both my cruciates playing away to Lark just a really innocuous thing, I just turned round after getting up for a header, both my cruciates snapped and that, that was me done there. Um, at the same time, did they snap at the same time? I both of them, both of them went at the same time. Man. Um aye, just really, really strange. I didn't I didn't know what to think it was a, it was a real sore pain, but only lasted about a minute and then you're kinda of hobbling off the park and it wasn't until that night I knew it was really bad because you couldn't it was I it was like a bad toothache, it just didn't go away for days and then managed to get the scans and stuff like that and they said that that was when the doctor says that you'll never play again. So um and that was me obviously. Forward ran through that season and they did win the league at a canter and um, got themselves back to the championship. I retired at the end of that season, which I obviously should have done that when I'd done the legs. But um, and then Clarkie asked me to come on to the coaching staff, which was which was great. Um, and I really appreciated that. So uh, the, the playing days ended and they kind of ended up on the other side of the fence.
1: What was the recovery time for the two of them for the two cruise <coughs>
2: They said it would have been 18 months if I got two of them, the two of them fixed, like properly fixed. I would have been in a boot for six months, wouldn't have been able to drive, which I couldn't do for my job, I'm a, I'm a surveyor, so you're always out in a boot. Um, or they said I can, clean up your, I can give you a keyhole operation, clean up your cartilages, you'll not get any pain, um, you'll just not be able to obviously day and end strenuous, in terms of football or anything like that, um, and you'll be back in your feet within a month. So I just got them cleaned up. and. Uh, and they, they always say you can build the muscles around about your knee, and some players can get away with playing with a cruciate injury. But um, I tried to come back with a couple of training sessions <laughs> in pre-season, and it was evidently clear I was absolutely done.
0: Yeah, um, I was going to ask. I was going to ask you about that because I, I, I saw some comments that you know you'd I mean you suffered that the cruciate ligament issues in September 2015, I think. And then I think it, it, you tried, you'd, you'd gone back with we Renfrew to the, the July time and in pre-season, you'd kind of still felt that discomfort and enough was enough almost.
2: Yeah, yeah. You, I don't know if you've <laughs> seen your records. I, I think I played a game. We were away to Clyde Bank and we had to win. I played the last 15 minutes away at Clyde Bank and I, I came on as a sub in a couple of other games when I was coaching, just because we were down to the bare bones. But... Um, and I could get through things like that, and I can I can still know play like me games of five or six with some of my mates and that. But to to play at that level and train twice a week and stuff like that, I, I had no chance. So um, that that was why the decision was just to call it a day.
0: And how, by the sounds of it, it you know, had to that was the decision that you had to make. But for somebody who loves his football, how gutting was that? Uh, I mean, how how did you deal with that? Were you quite um, philosophical about it or did it hit you hard for a while?
2: I was gutted. I was gutted. I've heard a lot of people that that quit the game and then they say they feel a wee bit lost. And I know some people think, oh, it's junior football or whatever else, but I was one of the guys that dedicated myself to it twice a week, didn't go out on Fridays, dedicated myself to a Saturday. If you could beat on a Saturday, you wouldn't sleep on a Saturday night. You'd still be thinking about it on a Sunday You'd go to training and the Monday gutted and it wasn't until you rectified it and then when you win I was one of the guys if you get beat I was really low if you win you were really high um, and I missed it I really missed it and even going to the coaching side it was brilliant but you didn't have that feel when you seen the boys in the, in the dressing room and there's nothing better than winning games of football when you're involved um, so I, was really difficult um, aye, and I didn't think it would hit me as hard but I think that the big thing, I was only 34 at the time, and, I'd, and I had just got a real, I loved playing on Asher turf which is a bit strange for something my age, but I loved it and Renfrew had just opened a new park, it was a brilliant park, Clark had built a good team, I knew we were going to go and win the league, I got myself fit, and I was just, just, just really enjoying my football again, and it um, to took taken away, um, so soon as I was gotten.
0: As, as, has it ever? Have you ever kind of got rid of that gutting feeling? I mean, did the you mentioned the coaching kind of been an element of kind of coming out the other end, if you like? But does anything replace it? Is 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 there still that kind of you still miss miss playing? You still see the boys going on, on a Saturday, the new season starts, wishing you were out there pulling the boots on rather than being the guy in the dugout.
2: Aye, aye, I, I don't think you. I don't think you'll get that. Or I, I won't anyway. It's um, it's not the same. Yeah. Like it definitely fills a void, and it's and it's the next best thing for sure, and it is great when you win and stuff like that, um, but it, it's not the same as playing, it, you can't beat playing. And I think that's what we try and, try and say to the lads, you don't want to speak about yourself to it or something, but you try and say to the lads, like, I went out that day at Lark Hall and it was after about three minutes, I don't think I'd touched the ball yet, and and that was me done, do you know what I mean? And you, I had no idea that would be my last game, um, I was enjoying my football again and you don't expect that to be your last game. So, and, and people think that's a bit extreme, but it can happen to anybody. Um, such an innocuous thing, so uh, it's sometimes frustrates you when you see lads just having an off there and maybe not putting it in or no, do you know what I mean? And and by the way, I was one of the guys. I, I had plenty of games where I didn't get my tank and stuff like that, and you think, oh, I'll fix it next week. I'll, I'll, but um, it's probably not until something like that happens that you realise. Yeah aye you're in a you're in a good position and, and somebody takes that away for you aye it's a, it's a gutter and I, I'll always be there but I didn't really have a lot of injuries in my my career I started juniors at 20 and played till 34 so I did a decent innings I suppose Have you
0: seen a few few players like that Paul in your time as well we've talked about guys with uh, commitment and, and stuff like that but guys you maybe take it for granted what they've got I
1: hate being that person says, oh, it's a different generation now because do you know what? Even when we, you know, we were younger, people were saying that about our generation. Do you know what I mean? You go and speak to a policeman now. Go and speak to a fireman. They will turn and say, ah, it's not what it used to be. I get that. So you, you, you do uh, come across situations. It evolves, type thing. But see, to be honest, Gareth, there is a shift. There is a shift in in the changing of football we've spoken about this, it's maybe just not a priority for everybody. People have uh, got options now, do you know what I mean? I don't know if I've don't i touched on the show before, you know, I've seen, you know, my middle son, he plays, but, you know, say to him, and, and he loves his football, he's football daft, you know, he's, he's, he's a Hearts fan, he's Hearts daft, he wants to go and watch Hearts, but if I said to him on Saturday, you know, do you want to come up and see Calouk Rovers play? It probably wouldn't be that, probably wouldn't be that bothered, where my dad said to me, would I go up, and I would just want to go out and watch a game of football, or well, that's, I said, just, I, I don't, answer your question, Gareth, I don't know, because every generation, I just think now, at the moment, I think the other thing is, options and choices, kids have got more choices in what they want to do, you know, you can you can go to a trampoline park, do you know what I mean? Spend 90 minutes in there, cheaper than that is to go to a game of football, but We're of a generation that think, well, you should be going to football. People's mindsets are completely different, aren't they? Now, I get where Chris is coming from. You know, there is guys, Chris said himself, he maybe was not the hardest working, you know, during his, his playing career. But do you know what? He dedicated himself to the game. He dedicated himself to twice a week. He played on a Saturday. Maybe I don't know people dedicate themselves so much to, to training and stuff like that. Training was just something that you'd done. He you went and done it. And that's what he'd done. You never had any other options. Not because you didn't want to do it. You went to training because, you know, football training was on that night. There was nothing else that, that you done. So it's a difficult one to answer on it. But certainly I just don't my, my personally, I don't think the appetite's there as much. And COVID as well. I think, you know, I think you see boys maybe took up golf through Covid. Alright, they can't play golf in the winter. But, you know, a but,
2: but I think there certainly is a shift um, and it is, like you say, it's a different generation so you can't hold people to what people would have said to you in your generation, if I had a told guy on a Saturday I can't make the game because I'm going to a stag do at air races he would have took the head off your shoulders mm-hmm. like, no doubt about it like, that, that would have happened in our dressing room You would have been told that you're not leaving until the game finishes and you can get and a train sorry, sorry, I
1: don't to cut across you I interrupt you, right? You just give that as a great example before you go on. But for me, would you have went to your races? You would, you would have said, I've got football on Saturday. I can't go." Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: And, that, and I, that, that's maybe the, the, main, the, 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 the shift. And that's the, I think that is where it's different now. Some lads will just say to you, I'm going in a stag do-its maybe Monday to Thursday. It's cool, I don't expect to play on Saturday. Whereas... That, that just blows my mind, if somebody had asked me that, when I played, you have to go away Monday to Thursday? I would have spoke to the manager and says, if I go away Monday to Thursday, am I going to play on Saturday? And if he just laughed at me, I, I wouldn't have went to do And people say, ah, it's only junior football, but I, I I couldn't have stood at the side of the a partner on Saturday and watched guys playing. It just wasn't me. And I was either in it or I wasn't in it, do you know what I mean? And I, I fell out with the missus a number of times where she went to weddings without me and I came at night and stuff like that. Whereas, I don't think if if you ask lads today that nowadays I think they would just look at you as if you're mad. But that that was the thing that kind that of can happen to be the guy that played was it Nielsen when I was at Premier League. His wife was giving birth. He went. His wife gave birth. We were playing a cup final against East Cowbridge at Far Hill. Case, no. mm-hmm. Turned up fifteen minutes before kickoff and played the game. His wife had just gave birth at six o'clock. We kicked off at quarter to eight. That is That's the kind of things that guys done, but. And it wasn't he. And if he never done that, he would've like got dogging. Do you know what I mean? And it's that's probably extreme nowadays, but we've we got lads that are looking to go to air races for a stag do. When you can you can come and play the game and drive to air, it takes you half an hour down the road. I
1: go into a generation thing as well, you know. And it's probably I'm 44, it was probably kinda of old generation that started going to Prague for stag dos and stuff like that. Wasn't right <laughs> prior, prior that. My dad went out for a pint of beer the night before his wedding. Do you know what I mean? But it's just, again, so, so things have evolved. So people's priorities. You look at the, I look at the Saturday morning league, the Saturday morning amateur league. It's growing and growing and growing because, do you know what? It's ideal. You can get your football fix in the morning and then you can either be in the pub in the afternoon or out shopping with the missus. I've seen guys, I've seen guys leaving this level of football because other mates are there and you know, they go for a pint after the game and that's them into their Saturday night. Again, it's who's right, who's wrong? You know, people have now got options and choices, yeah. isn't it? And yeah. I don't think those days are ever coming back. I don't think those days of people there is guys, guys in, in in match engine room that, that that will be dedicated, that will be dedicated to the club. it's actually one thing that we've now got into this new job. And before we start looking are, you know, out there for players, have a look at what's in your dressing room, have a look at the boys that are dedicated, have a look at the guys that do turn up for training twice a week turn up on a Saturday, you don't need to put a WhatsApp chat out there because they know that's when they train, they know they play football on a Saturday and in between we might have a friendly game, let's take that six and seven and try and find another six and seven because especially where, you know, if you're at the bottom, if you're at the bottom half of the league people say, oh, we've been inconsistent, we've been inconsistent, but the problem is inconsistency comes from not putting the same team on the park every week. You cannot be consistent winning when, when games if your teams know the same on the, on the park every week. So, that's what even going into the collude job. Now, that's the first thing me and you know, Guppy said. We're going to look at it and say, who are the guys that are dedicated to this? And... And oh, to that other guys that are dedicated you know I'm actually believe it or not it sounds terrible I'm on the phone here because I know there's two guys in the amateurs that want to step up and I'm getting a text message coming in now and I'm saying well, can they come to training I am focused to down the divisions I promise you but I've oh, seized yeah. the opportunity
2: <laughs> No, I think you really touched on there as a as a very good point because I think I mentioned earlier when we got the job I didn't think there was much surgery in the dressing room There was five or six of my ex-teammates already there, so boys I'd played with. But it became pretty evident after probably a month or two that the guys in the dressing room, although they were decent players, they were just no commitment. Turned up to train them when they wanted, done what they wanted, sent off if they wanted. (laughs) I think there's only four, five players now out of 19 that that are still in the group, for the 20 that we took on. And it wasn't because they were they weren't the decent players. It was just it, it didn't have we were never going to get to the levels we wanted to be we, with we, that with that type of uh, commitment or non-commitment, do you know what I mean? And an attitude, it's junior football uh, this level of football has changed now as well, where people need to be committed. Their applications got to be spot on. Lads are runners nowadays. It's not all about getting on the ball and doing your stuff. It's the the game's changed a bit as well. So you need to look after yourself and, and and a lot of lads when we first came in just just weren't
1: they? One thing I will say on it though, and we, as I said, we mixed some of our under twenties last night in at training. There is there is young talent out there who, who recognise the West of Scotland League now as a, a bit of an opportunity. That we Friday night under twenties league, there's boys in there that do see an opportunity. So I'm gonna I'm gonna also defend that as well. And they're the they're the players that we need to try and nurture. They're the ones that we need to try and get into the first team and, and get them experience you know experience that. And fair play to Rovers, I think there's maybe three or four this year have stepped up into the stepped up into their first team and are and are playing on a regular basis. So whilst there is that other side there's you know quite a lot of people have options and have choices and and choose not to maybe play football every single week. There is a course still
2: there coming through, so I, I need to. I also need to praise them as well. No, no definitely. We've we've got a smashing young under-20 side um, at Nielsen as well, where we're going to be signing a couple of them um, at the end of this season. Over a few playmates this season, which has been great for the club. Um, and for clubs like us, that's 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 magic. If we can get two or three, or more, then all the better. Do you know what I mean? When you've not get, when you've not really get the finances to go out and. Steal players off other teams um, that are getting great offers. So aye, it's it's excellent. That's it. And you're saying you're at Carlotta. I know Big Mark Weir was there before he's a he's a good part of mine and I, I worked with Mark down at Glasgow Airport for a number of years and he did actually say that they had a few of the twenties up and they were and they were doing really well. So aye, it's, it's great if you can get that.
0: I mean uh you mentioned about going into that Neuston dressing room and some of your former teammates been in there and you were going in as the <clears throat> co-manager. Yeah. How, well, was that difficult? You know, because the dynamics change, is not it? You're suddenly the gaffer, you're not a teammate. Did you have to put a bit of thought into how you were going to you know, manage that situation? And you talked about commitment and, you know, having to let some go or tell them that, you know, maybe they had no future at the club. How tough, how tough was that whole kind of experience?
2: Um. I think when I played, I think I was a captain at the club, and and I, I was probably the moaniest guy at the club, and I was always <laughs> on people's cases for, for everything probably. Um, so I think they knew, I think they knew what type of person they were going to get coming through the door as a manager. That was probably worse when I first took over, um, because all the wee things that I couldn't really do about when I played with them, other than moaning, I, I, I knew good things about it, and um, it was difficult when you're telling guys though that you don't think there's a. But, but there's no ideal here for you, because I think you should look elsewhere, and that we're going to look to go down a different route. That, that was really difficult, particularly for local boys um, that had been at the club for a number of years, or had been with other, say, athletes and stuff like that for a number of years, that probably just felt that they were going to be at the club for as long as they wanted to be at the club. Um, and it probably, to a certain extent, some of the, the people that come and watch us or the committee probably thought, What, what are these guys doing? And they some decent local talent. Um but I we just made the decisions that we thought were right um, <clears throat> to make sure the club was as professional as it could be and we were only gonna accept um, some of the stuff that was happening in the dressing room because we were although we had a lot of talent in the dressing room, we the application just wasn't there and we were never gonna go forward. Um, and the, the club were probably a, a bottom half of the table championship club and they were going to have some good victories and then they were going to have some crazy defeats with four or five men sent off and stuff like that. They, that's just where the club was at at the time and yeah, when me and Derry went in we decided that we had to sacrifice some talent for boys with the right attitude and proper commitment and good discipline and that's what we did in the short term and then looked to get the boys that we knew. Um, they were on our radar for the other clubs, and, and that's what we've slowly done. And, and was 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 it
0: always going to be coaching for you? I mean, we, we've we've talked about how your your playing career ended kind of so abruptly, and so it was such an unplanned end to your playing days. Was 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 it kind of something that you hadn't had even chance to think about because you'd always thought you'd be playing for a bit longer, and then it became something that interested you, or was it always there?
2: Yeah. No, it wasn't there. it wasn't there? Wasn't it there? I think I just got to the page, and I remember Clare went saying to me, I don't know how you feel about this, but I don't even know if you want to do coaching, but I wouldn't like to lose somebody that had a decent influence as yourself in the dressing room at this stage of the season. I'd like you to stay about, but I'd like you to get involved. I don't want you just hanging about and picking up cones and babs and stuff. I want you to get involved. And and I just said I would get a go. And I enjoyed, enjoyed taking sessions in that. Um, at that point, Jimmy Quigley. Was coaching there as well, who's now the Renfrew manager. Uh, and during sessions were great. He'd done proper research, proper. he sessions all planned out and all that. So with magic being involved in that, and getting a good insight into that, but I never ever felt I really had uh, the the desire to get right into the coaching and and proper driver. I, I used to just ski lads, but I, I used to be like, which was a bit, a bit of work into boxes, possession, um, passing drills work hard, feel like it's something with it, maybe a bit of shooting, for, crossing and finishing and into a, some right good high tempo games. At the end, I didn't I didn't really ever want to dress it up too much. Um, I see some coaches doing some things and I've been involved in some sessions where it looks great for the side and there's cones everywhere but you go home at night and you don't feel like you're getting into it. So I, I, I enjoyed it for when i done it but I didn't ever feel that coaching was for me. Um, it wasn't something that, excited me and all but i always wanted to be a manager Um, as soon as my playing days were finished so i always had the idea that i wanted to go and try and sign players i wanted to go and pack a team i wanted to set a team up how i wanted to set them up i wanted to if i get beat it was my fault if i win then fair enough do you know what i mean i did i felt coaching you had a decent input you could get the lads fit you could put things onto them but ultimately it's up to the gaff what mean picks on a Saturday and i had no real control over that so that frustrated
1: me.
0: Hi, it's Murdoch McKinnon, Port manager here, and you're listening to Down the Divisions. Before we finish up, we'll clear up the Down the Divisions (laughs) decider. Right, this week, just a reminder, I'm looking for the club whose first of two Scottish Junior Cup wins was the joint record margin of victory in the final. In 2017, they had the biggest win since 1984 in the Scottish Senior Cup. Former players include Pat Stanton and the late, great James Bond star, Sean Connery, and they have a flower on their club badge. Right, Paul was pretty confident there, so I'm going to come to Chris first with his answer.
2: Bonnie,
1: right, Rose? Bonnie, Rose oh, do you know what? That's the answer, and that's not the answer I've got, but that is the answer. I was going to say Long Life Rose, but... It's Bonnie Rig Rose, isn't
0: it? <laughs> it's Bonnie Rig Rose, isn't it? <laughs> it is. <laughs> um, I said, well Googled.
2: <laughs> no, genuinely, do you know what? That was all, that was the only team I thought maybe with a flower on their budget. <laughs> <Or> <laughs> <did> <laughs> you, like was it a snap in the dark with the last clue,
0: was it?
2: Absolutely, that was all, If you hadn't ever said
1: that, nah. Do you <laughs> know that I actually had in my head because we had Brown Ferguson on the show and uh, something was in my head that they had a a really good result and you know a higher result in, in one of the, the the early rounds of the scottish cup so straight away i was thinking oh when lithgow rose flower on the badge but
0: as when you said boy Rig like rose then i, I kind of
1: knew that uh james bond had played there just
0: to fill in the gaps they won the, the scottish junior cup twice 1966 1978 in 1966 the joint record margin win was uh, beating whitburn 6-1 in the final uh, the Scottish Senior Cup uh, win was 14-0 against Bur- Burnt Island Shipyard, um, and yeah, as we said, uh, Sean Connery and uh, Pat Stanton also played for them. Um, but uh, yeah, well done, Chris and Chris. Thanks, thanks very much for coming on the show this week. Uh, enjoyed the chat and hearing your opinions and uh, getting your views. And uh, we obviously wish you well for the, the final four games of the season. We'll, we'll watch with interest to see how, how things uh, how things go. Go with yourself at the the
2: yeah no worries guys appreciate that brilliant thanks again to our
0: sponsors 44 creative go to www.44creativehq.com if you're looking for a photographer graphic designer videographer or video editor and don't forget you can get in touch with us with your comments or suggestions for people to speak to or if you'd like your club's audio featured on the show Our email address is downthedivisions at gmail.com. That's downthedivisions at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch via Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Do leave a comment, which helps others find us and subscribe to get alerts when our latest episode is released. We'll be back next Friday on Down the Divisions.